You're listening to Goat Rodeo. Keep an ear out for us. Welcome back to Dispatches. I am not Morgan Givens. I'm Ian Enright, co-founder of the Goat Rodeo Audio Network in Washington, D.C. Every two weeks, your host Morgan Givens brings you a story that explores the intricate and interconnecting lives of everyday people. This week, though, Morgan's on vacation, and I owed him a favor. This episode will also feature a guest storyteller, Ann Thomas, paralyzed in a car accident in 1976 at the age of 18 and told to check herself into a nursing home to avoid being a burden on her family. Anne went on to have a legal career that took her all the way to the World Bank. In 2008, she was told she had one to two years left to live. Upon hearing that, she quit her job and reinvented herself as a storyteller, winning a national storytelling contest in 2013. Anne has been featured on The Moth, StoryCorps, and Risk, and has even been published in the New York Times. Anne speaks from the heart about her life and experience, triumphing over disability, illness, and obstacles, both social and physical. We couldn't be happier to have Anne on this season. Oh, and just one note, this story is not for young listeners, so discretion is advised. Our story this week is called Trained. Staring into Doug's sky-blue eyes, jostled periodically by the steady clickety-clack of the train, I wonder what my father would think. I doubt he would approve of me sitting in the lap of the stranger I met an hour ago as we hurtle from Boston to New York City. But I am thrilled. It's been two years since my car accident left me paralyzed in this wheelchair, killing my sexual self-esteem. My biggest fear is that no man will ever be able to look past it and find me desirable again. But here I am, in the lap of a gorgeous blonde. My BFF, Laura, and I are 20-year-old college students taking the train home to towns just short of the city. Sitting in the club car, two guys sit opposite us. Doug is one of them. He's tall and tan, wearing a pink Oxford shirt and khakis, the ultimate preppy. Ugh, but he carries it off like Robert Redford in The Great Gatsby. The other guy, Ralph, looks more like John C. Riley in Talladega Nights. Doug introduces himself and Ralph and says, Can we buy you ladies a drink? A tempting offer. But I consider my father's stern warning, Don't accept drinks from strange men. But the other part of me thinks, Hell yeah! 30 is not that old, and Doug is cute! We're poor college students sitting in the club car, surrounded by tons of other people. What could possibly happen? So I say, yes, that'd be great. We start chatting, trading jokes and flashing eyes. And when I say we, I mean Doug and I, because I am in this attraction vortex with him, engaged in full-on mutual flirting. Inside, I'm thinking, oh, God, I can't believe he likes me. But Doug doesn't know about my wheelchair because when I boarded the train, I transferred to a regular seat and the conductor stored my chair somewhere. About 10 minutes later, Doug grabs my hand and says, let's explore the train. My heart leaps at the seduction in his voice, but then I want to puke because now I have to tell him about the wheelchair and this beautiful flirting interlude will be over. Um, I can't do that. I use a wheelchair. It's stored around the corner. He shrugs and says, okay. I just wanted to get you alone. 
I guess this will have to do instead. And then he reaches over, picks me up in his arms, and places me on his lap. Ha! Hence my thought about what my father would think. I'm pretty sure he'd go ballistic. I mean, I'm rather helpless in Doug's clutches, being paralyzed and all. But that other part of me, fueled by a couple of glasses of wine now, thinks, Ugh, this feels so good. Nobody's held me since the accident. And we're in a club car surrounded by a ton of people. What could possibly happen? And then the train goes through a tunnel and the lights go off. It's dark inside and out. It's spooky. There are people all around us inches away, but I can't see anybody. I can't even see Doug. But I can feel his lips on mine. Nice, soft lips persuading me to respond in kind. Dad would definitely not approve of this. But the lights are out. No one can see us. What the hell? I go for it. The heat between us builds and the dark just heightens everything, making it secret, dangerous, and daring. He gently glides one of my hands down to his waistband to show me his enthusiasm in this moment. I know he wants me to give him the tug of love. Part of me thinks, this is crazy. I'm in a crowded train car. The lights can come back on any minute. But the darkness feels like a cocoon, and Doug's hands are sliding up my back, massaging my neck, encouraging me to caress him. In between kisses, we're giggling like little kids. And then he whispers, you wouldn't dare. Oh, wouldn't I? Naughty squeezing ensues, and now we are both full-on laughing at our audaciousness. We feel plucky and bold, even superior, right until the lights flash back on. Mid-tug, before his train could come into the station. My vision rudely restore. I see Ralph's shoulders are rubbing against Doug's. Laura's knees are pressing up against D- Doug's knees. There's a man standing next to our seat holding the back of it for stability. Oh, my God. My face turns bright red, and if my hands were free, I'd slap my head. I stay close to Doug to provide him some cover while he puts his pants in order. Then he lifts me up and puts me back in my seat, eyes dancing, and gets up to buy some more drinks. Laura gives me a bug-eyed stare that says, What are you doing? I just smile and shrug. Laura's stop is the one before mine, and as soon as she is off the train, Doug says, Come with us all the way to the city. We'll party all night. It'll be great. A night out on the town of New York City with this handsome man is so tempting. This could be the night of my life. Think of the story I'll have to tell Laura. I open my mouth to say yes. And then I remember my ride waiting for me at my stop. There are no such things as cell phones in 1978. Doug and Ralph and Unifin say, blow them off. I, I can't do that. Come on, do it. It's my father. Oh, Yeah, well, yeah, no, you can't blow off dear old dad. 
When the train pulls into my stop, there's my Marine father on the platform right in front of our car, ramrod straight, looking for his little girl. Ralph lugs my chair off the train and sets it up next to my father. Doug carries me off in his arms, plops me in my chair, shakes my dad's hand, then kisses me and says, I'll call you. Gets back on the train. As I watch Doug disappear onto the train, I am so grateful for how he made me feel like a woman again and burst my fear that no man would ever want me. Then I turn towards my father and brace myself for his reaction. He takes a long look at my happy, silly face and says, That must have been some ride. Good for you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Dispatches. You can find out more about Ann Thomas by going to her website, annbthomas.com. And her performances are available on YouTube. She just finished her memoir, Was It Spectacular? The name, Was It Spectacular? I wasn't asking you if you thought it was spectacular. And it's set to be published in 2018. Anne always speaks from the heart, reminding us all about the continuing possibilities, even when the world tries to limit them. Morgan will be back next week with another story for all of you. And if I can channel my best Morgan, until then, be well and know that stories are all around you. This episode was produced by me, Ian Enright, and the music was provided by Ryan Little. <laughs>